0: For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text "Drive" to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. I know that we are Baptist. I don't know if you knew that, but it's the Baptist Church. But that does not give you permission to sit on the back row. So there's like 25 spots up here. So if you're not a leader and you're on the back row, I need you to like... I took a shower before I came here tonight. Um, y'all come fill in. Fill in. Hey, we can stand here all night. I'm not going to move until all these see are full. Because we love Jesus. We love our neighbors. We love Layton. We're starting a club. The We Love Layton Club. Yeah. yeah. Vincent, the president of the We Love Layton Club. Look at you guys, you moved the whole row. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. MVP. MVP. Yeah. 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 Guys, <laughs> <laughs> guys, yeah. already thinks he's the stuff, so let's not make his ego any bigger than it already is. As he gives his friends a high five. How are you guys doing? Great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome let's try that again. How are you guys doing? Awesome. So I have something very serious that we need to talk about. Very serious. You should be scared. So this past week, something happened. You guys had an opportunity to show yourselves as great, middle schoolers and high schoolers that I know you are and you missed your opportunity. So this is me correcting you for something you did wrong. So last week we put a poll on Instagram that said it's 3 a.m. you got the munchies. What are you choosing? Goldfish or Cheez-Its? Jesus. Those are your only options. You can't say neither. Vincent? So, and they weren't even off brand goldfish or Cheez Its. They were the actual brand of goldfish and Cheez Its. And I'm sad to say that 13 of you, people that need to find Jesus tonight, chose goldfish. Who chooses goldfish over Jesus? Thank you.
1: You
0: You know what? What's your name? Okay, Isabel, did you win a good party last week? No. You're just going to keep pointing at each other? He's not going to get one. So, Isabel voted, I don't know, did you vote? No, I just voted. Oh, so, you're too good to
1: vote.
0: Um, So, Isabel, since you defended Jesus, with your entire life. Like I saw this rage go across your face. Who would pick goldfish? Me. My one year, one and a half year old picks goldfish. You don't pick goldfish. He does not like you. You haven't figured it out yet. I don't know if I like you. I do like you. Love. We'll come forever. We'll oh, cherish that forever. So, Isabelle, love. Isabel, Isabel, Isabel. No way. <coughs> Isabel, I'm going to give you a gift card to one of my favorite restaurants in southern Illinois. McDonald's! McDonald's. Not Chick fil A, because there's not a Chick fil A here. Stop writing that up. No. $15 at McDonald's. You can buy your 15 at McDonald's. This is when, you cho- when you choose to go, let me know. We'll bring the squad. You can feed everyone in this room for $15 at McDonald's. We'll all be Awesome, so if you were here last week, we started this series called Declaration, and we decided that as a group, we're going to be a tribe, we're going to fight for each other, we're going to look out for each other, we're going to call each other out when we do dumb things, we're going to encourage each other to read our Bibles and to pray and to show up to church, Um, and we're just going to declare the good things that God is doing for us in our lives. And so, tonight we're going to continue in week two of declarations, and we're going to talk about something that I know none of you in this room deal with, and that's being afraid. So, we're going to talk about being afraid and what God has called us to do when we are afraid. And what I want you to know is that we all have a decision to make. Every single moment of every single day, you have a decision to make. You have a decision to make on whether you're going to do crumble to your fear or if you're going to choose your faith in Jesus. Some of these decisions are big decisions. Like, where are you going to go to college? You might be going to visit the University of Tennessee. I'm from Alabama, remember. We don't like the University of Tennessee. Plus, that orange that they wear is disgusting. I think we can all agree on that, that no one looks good at orange. Um, you do in the background. How perfect is that? <laughs> they planned that, I'm sure. Um, so it might be a big decision on what you're going to do for college, or it might be a small decision on if you're going to eat goldfish, or if you're going to eat cheez and whether or not you're really safe if you choose goldfish. But I want to tell you a story. So once upon a time, I was in college. I know, shocking um, I'm not as old as a lot of you think I am Maybe, I don't know how old you think I am um, Last week, I accidentally said I had a son and a daughter I don't really have a daughter, I just have a son and a wife She's not my daughter, that would be weird um, And so, once upon a time, I wasn't married and I went to college My wife was not here tonight, uh, doesn't know I'm sharing this story So she can't stop me from doing it So here we go As an 18-year-old, I went off to college, I was born in Alabama, like I told you, I went to college in the great state of Virginia, um, to a school called Liberty University. Me and my wife met the very first day that we went to college. And it was one of those moments where it was love at first sight. You know, you've had those moments, maybe you haven't had those moments because you're 12 and you don't need to be thinking about love at first sight. but it was love at first sight. At least it was love at first sight for me. She didn't want anything to do with me at all. So, me being me, you know, us guys were really, really strong, Where guys are strong, you know that right of Ladies, guys were real strong. So I went and I was scared, so fear or faith. I chose to go ask her friends if she liked me instead of asking her. And so I went to her friends, I said, hey, that girl named Tamara, she's in your room. We went to a Christian school, so boys couldn't go in girls' dorms and vice versa, so we window dated, so we had to stand outside the windows to talk to each other. That's great. Um, yeah. And so I asked her friends if she if she liked me, and they said, yeah, she liked you, ask her out on a date. So I asked her out on a date. She said yes. I'm pretty sure I sent her a text message. I said, hey, you want to go out on a date? She said yes. So we go out on a date. Can anyone guess? Where I took her on our first day. For those of you that said McDonald's, you know nothing about me. I'm a romantic. I love, love. Chick fil A would have been a great second option, but I swung for the fences. I was a poor college student. Me and Tamara up to this point have said a total of maybe three sentences to each other. And Maida went, hey, I'm TiVo. She said, hey, I'm Tamara. I said, nice. And we went on a date to Olive Garden. Ooh. Right, right, right. So, let me tell you how this date went. Anyone interested? You want me to continue? I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat. Yes, I like that. You just think I'm going to give you a gift card. That's what this is. I'm buying your love and affection. You are interested. I'm glad someone's interested because you know who wasn't interested in our first day? Tell me. So I roll up to her dorm room. I get out of the car. I'm wearing nice clothes because we're going to Olive Garden. Now, I know you don't know this because you're still spending your parents' money. But when you go to college, you get a meal plan. Olive Garden is not included in your meal plan. So I spent three months' worth of food money in one night at Olive Garden. That's a big deal. And so she gets in the car. I say, hey, you look good. She said, I said, you're ready to go. She said, so we drive to Olive Garden we got the Christian radio station playing in the background because, you know, you got to leave room for Jesus. And we get to Olive Garden. We get in. We sit down at our table. And the lady, I guess she didn't know how old we were. She said, do you guys want some wine? And we said, no. We are not old enough to drink, lady. That's weird. Plus, we go to this Christian school. And if we drink wine, we'll get kicked out and never invited back. But that's a whole other story. So we're sitting at the table. How many of you have ever been to Olive Garden? All right. So for those of you who haven't been to All Garden, how many of you have been to any restaurant where you actually go in and sit down at a table and they give you a menu and they take your order? So you kind of know where this story is going, maybe. So we sit down at the table. The lady comes up and she takes our order. She gives us great breadsticks. All Garden is known for their breadsticks, and they're fantastic. Give up for the breadsticks. We sit there. The only restaurant that takes longer to get their food to the table than Olive Garden is probably Buffalo Wild Wings. Every Buffalo Wild Wings in the country takes Steak and Shake. Steak and Shake, yes, that's another one. So, we sit down at the table, we take her order. I don't remember what she ordered, but I remember her talking to place her order, and I sit down, and they take my order, and then the lady walks away, and I go, so did you have a good day? She said, she didn't even nod her head. I said, you're excited to be at school? She said, silence, it got so awkward the waitress came back and said, Are you guys okay? (laughs) I said, yeah, it's our first date. She said, great job bringing her to Olive Garden. And Tamara said, nothing. We sat at Olive Garden for one hour and 45 minutes. And Tamara said, zero words. (laughs) Zero (laughs) words. (laughs) So guys, let me tell you something that you shouldn't say to a girl on your first date when you take her to Olive Garden, and you're dropping her back off at her dorm. So we get back in the car, and I'm like, man, her friends lied to me. They said she lied to me, she said she liked me, then she said at Olive Garden, and she didn't say anything to me. So we get in the car, we drive back to her dorm, I get her out of the car, I'm walking her to her dorm, and I say, you have a good time. You know what she said? Nothing. So you know what I said. At this point, I am mad. I just spent three months' worth of food at Olive Garden. So I looked at her and I said, the least you could do since right. The least you could do is say thank you after I took you to Olive Garden and gave you unlimited breadsticks. You're welcome. And I walked away and got in my car. Needless to say, that didn't end too well because she told her friends and her friends got mad and they all started texting me, how you're a jerk, blah, 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 And then eight years later, we got married. So the moral of the story is, there's a lot more to that story and I'll share more about our story as we go along. But the reason I tell you that story is because, why do you think Tamara didn't respond? She was nervous. So some people, when they get nervous or they have fear, Kind of like what Luke was talking about with his anxiety, is they shut down, they clam up, they don't talk, they don't respond. And so, she got nervous. I don't know if any of you in this room have ever gotten nervous about anything. I would venture to say that you have. There's more stories I can tell you, and maybe when we're hanging out at the rec after service, I can share how my mom tricked me at the age of eight into getting on my first roller coaster that went upside down and shot water in my face and I thought I was dying. But, yeah, you like to hear that. That would be the after show with Timo or something. So like I said, we have two choices when we come against decision-making. Choosing fear or choosing faith. And I want you to know that the opposite of fear is not courage or boldness. That's just a byproduct of Fear. The opposite of fear is faith and love. Everyone say faith and love.
1: Faith
0: and love. So if the opposite of fear is faith and love, God is calling us to be people who make decisions and declarations out of faith. And what I mean by that is when we come up to a decision on whether or not we're going to do something right or do something wrong, we're going to choose our decision based on what God tells us about ourselves and based on what the Bible says about us. So here is something that I know that you guys are dealing with every day in your schools. The terrifying thought is that every day in your schools, you're dealing with, whether you're the bullier, or you're being bullied, kids in schools are being bullied. Kids across this country are going to school, and they're terrified that someone might show up at school with a gun in their pocket and shoot up a school. Someone might show up at the mall when you're hanging out with your friends. And so how do we control all of this stuff that's happening every single day in our lives? We choose faith. So the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1:7, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So God's calling us to be people that walk by faith. You were not born with a spirit of fear. Now, I think a lot of you can think of things, when I start talking about fears, some of you started thinking of things that you're afraid of. Like, people that have arachophobia are afraid of spiders. I don't know anyone in this room that's like, give me a spider, I want to make it my best friend. Um, Oh, oh, see, y'all are the weird ones that I wouldn't take to McDonald's. Um... Some people have claustrophobia, which is the intense fear of being confined. Some of you have aerophobia, which is the fear of flying. Some of you have agoraphobia, which is the fear of being in a public place where you might find yourself helpless and unable to escape easily. That would be my wife. Every time we go somewhere, she's finding all the exits and she's like, hey, Someone walks in here and starts shooting grabs semen. We're going out this door, we're going to take this hallway, and we'll be outside. I'm like, how did you even know that? <laughs> so, every place she goes, she is always looking for a way out. Now, this one, I know no one in this room deals with It's a fear called nomophobia. Can anyone guess what that fear is? Nomophobia. a <laughs> fear. Of The fear of having no fears. You said that, but he said it all out loud. Y'all, y'all have to figure it out. So, nomophobia is the fear of being without a cell phone. A fear of being without a cell phone. So, this is how I know some of you in this room struggle with this fear, because I've been talking for exactly 18 minutes and seven seconds, and I've seen some of you check your phone at least three times since we've been sitting here. So the fear of being without your cell phone. So a couple years ago, CNN did a study on people in fear. And this is what their study revealed, that people are born with only two fears. The first fear that people are born with is the fear of falling. The second fear that people are born with is the fear of loud noises. And what their study showed them is that every other fear that any person in the world has is something that they learned be afraid of so if you're afraid of heights you weren't born afraid of heights you're born afraid of falling but over the years you became afraid of heights why do I tell you that I tell you that because it lets you know that if we're learning these fears and we're afraid of them it should make it easier for us to get over the fears so everything else is a learned fear So, students, what you were not born to fear, you were not born to fear what others think of you. God tells you what he thinks of you, and that should be enough. And I know I was in high school, and I was in middle school, and I'm not so detached from the world that I know that just saying, well, Jesus thinks that I'm the best and smartest person in the entire world doesn't fix everything. But at the end of the day, Jesus does think that about you. Jesus cares so much about you that he knows every hair that's on your head. Like, numbered them. For some of us, it's easier to count than others. Um, but that's how much Jesus cares about you. <laughs> so God created you to live with a spirit of faith. So if you were at church this morning, something really excited happening, happened at our 1030 service. Brianna, did I say her name right? Where is she? Brianna Riggs, got baptized this morning. Woo! <laughs> so what the symbol of baptism means is that she declared outwardly to our church family that she chose Jesus that no matter what fears come into her life no matter what the world tries to say about her that she is choosing to believe what God says about her that when she went down in the water she was letting go of her old self and when she came up she was made new in Jesus like I said God created you to live a life with a spirit of faith and that's what Brianna did this morning she went out on faith and chose Jesus. Just like I told you last week, you might not have chosen to come here, but we're choosing you. And bigger than us choosing you, God is choosing you. 2 Corinthians 5:7 tells us, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. To make what base decisions and not function out of fear, we have to get in the word and read our Bibles. I would venture to say that over 60% of you only open your Bibles on Sunday morning. Let's say Bibles and Bible apps, and let's say, unless your mom's sending you an encouragement or writing it in your lunchbox, that is very rare that you open your Bible or you open your Bible app. But what I want to let you know that the only way that you can start making decisions out of faith is if you know what God says about faith. The only way that you can know what God says about faith is to read your Bible. Good job. I set that one up and you guys missed the ball. Um, Cough, cough. So when we make faith-based decisions, pray faith-based prayers, and live faith-based lives, we live the life that God intended us to live. It's how God created us to live. God created us to live a life of love, to live a life of boldness. To do this, we have to be spending time in God's word every single day. So the second thing that I want you to know tonight is that a life of faith is not lived by what we see, but by what God sees. So if you have a Bible, or if you have your phone, this is the part where you can pull out your phone, and we're going to read together some scripture found in Judges, Chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. If you don't have your phone or your Bible, you can look on the screen and the guys are going to put it up there. So we're going to take a look at a story of a man named Gideon, which, by the way, if you've ever stayed in a hotel and there's a Bible in there, there's an organization called the Gideon Organization that puts Bible in hotels all across the world. And it's based on this guy. It is. Thank you for asking. Yeah. So, it reads, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Orpherah, which belonged to Joseph, Joash, (laughs) while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us to the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, So I'm going to pause here real quick. If the Lord ever turns to you and says something, I think that means that it's very important. So what's happening so far in this passage is Gideon is selling himself short. Gideon is not listening to what God is actually saying about him, and Gideon is believing a lot of self-doubt and self-negative and talk about himself. So it says, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of the Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So you see, Gideon only saw what Gideon saw, and it caused him to make fear-based decisions. So Gideon didn't see himself as a mighty warrior. Gideon saw himself as hopeless. Gideon saw God as someone that was distant. But when you shift the perspective, God did not see what Gideon saw. What God saw in Gideon was a mighty warrior. What God saw in Gideon was a man of strength, the hope of God's people. And God was right because God is always right. God's perspective is so much greater and higher than any of ours can ever be. God is holy and he has proved that time and time again. When he speaks to you, you can trust him. Gideon was just doing his own thing and God called him to be a mighty warrior. So just like Gideon, some of you in this room are terrified by the things that God has called you to do. And as I was preparing for this message, God kept bringing some words that he wanted me to share with you. So just like Gideon was getting down on himself, and just like Gideon wasn't receiving all that God was saying to him, I want to tell you this. You are not what others say that you are. You are what God says that you are. And as cheesy as that might sound, it's true. The men in this room, you are men that are courageous. You're a that's going to change the face of this earth. Only if you yield to what God is calling you to do. Only if you give up your platform and give it to Jesus. Only if you let the influence of the football field, the influence of the basketball court, the influence of your gaming world fall at the feet of Jesus. The boys and men in this room, God has given you a great platform to change the way that people see young men in America. And I venture to ask you this question. Are you living in fear of what your friends are going to say about you, or are you willing to let that go and do what God's calling you to do? And to the women and young girls in this room, God's calling you to be noble. The Bible tells us that we're all sons and daughters of God. All of us. Every single one of us. So, girls, I want you to look right here in my eyes. No matter what anyone t- says about you, no matter what guys stupid and call you names and tell you you're not beautiful, God created you with a purpose. God formed you inside of your mouth. You were made in the image of God, and to Him, you're the most beautiful person that ever walked the face of the earth. And so I want to ask you, What lens are you looking through tonight when you see your life? What do you see? You see, we have to hold, we have to grab hold of faith. And like I said, we have a choice to choose fear or faith. And as Gideon showed us, great things happen when we choose faith. And like Tamara showed me when we went to Olive Garden, choosing faith over fear is not always easy. Sometimes you're not gonna have the words to say, sometimes you're gonna clam up and you're not gonna know what to do. But it's just like practicing anything else. The more you choose faith, the easier it will get. One day it will be easier to go talk to your friends about Jesus. One day it will be easier if you don't bully that kid and you walk away from the group as they make fun of other people. It might not be the popular decision, but I guarantee you that God will bless you and God will honor you for making that decision. You see, Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is not wishing in something, it's living in the promises of God. And the only way you can know the promises of God is if you are running your life with those that also know the promises of God. If you're reading your Bible, if you're praying, if you're seeking God, For who he is and what he says about you. It allows you to step out in courage and boldness. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is Hebrews 11. Because in Hebrews 11 it tells us about a hero hall of faith. Are the great heroes of the faith. And it says, what does God want to do in your life today by faith? You see, if you go and you read Hebrews 11, which I want every single one of you to do this week whether you read it in the physical Bible or you read it on your phone, Hebrews 11 says that by faith, Abraham was able to do this. And by faith, Noah was able to do this. You see, all it takes is a little bit of faith for you to change your entire school, for you to change the entire community, for you to change the entire world. You see, by faith, I asked Mary on a day. By faith, I didn't give up on her. And by faith, this October will be married five years, four years. But you see, if she would have let the fear of not wanting to open herself up, or if I would have let the fear of being rejected by her stop me from pursuing her, and living out my faith in action, we probably wouldn't be married today. Our lives are a culmination of the declarations and decisions that we make every single day. So what decisions are you making every single day? The little decisions. The guys in this room, what are you looking at on your phone? Are you objectifying women? The girls in this room, how are you talking about your friends? Are you building them up or are you tearing them down with the words that you're saying? The Bible tells us that life and death happens in the tongue. It tells us that the tongue has the power to literally kill people. So the way that you talk about yourself and the way that you talk about your friends matters. And I want to leave you with this verse. Hebrews 10, 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith And persevere their souls. You see, what God is trying to tell all of us tonight is that no matter where you are, no matter what you're struggling with, that He's there for you. So I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want you to think about something that you're currently struggling with in your life. And I don't want you to be so arrogant. That you don't think that you're struggling with something. Every single person in this room is struggling with something. And I want you to think about how that thing that you're struggling with, what it would look like if you would just let go of the fear and let God allow you to walk it out in faith. For some of you in this room, you've been bullied. For some of you in this room, you've bullied other people. For some of you in this room, you've let fear stop you from ministering to your friends. You've let fear stop you from doing the things that you know God has called you to do. You've let fear convince you that being popular is more important than being a son or a daughter of God. You've let fear tell you that no one, that the things that you do on a sports field or on the basketball court, or on the tennis court, or in the dance recital hall are more important than anything that God could ever do in your life. So we're going to end tonight a little differently. The band's going to come back up. And as they're making their way here, with everyone's head bowed, heads bowed and eyes closed, this is the challenge I want to give every single person in this room. If at any time within the last year you've struggled with choosing fear over choosing faith, I want you to look up at me. So like we said last week, we are a family. We're going to make decisions together. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to hold each other's arms up. We're going to wrap our arms around each other when we're making tough decisions. So if you just looked up at me, I want you to stand up. Standing, I want you to just look around the room don't talk this is a very powerful moment I want you to see something something that is very powerful you are not alone there are people around you that are dealing with fear there are people around you that struggle with different things every single day And so no matter what life throws at you I want you to know that we are here for you. I am here for you. The band is here for you. The volunteers in this room are here for you. But more importantly than that, every single person that's standing up around you is here for you. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want all of you to come down front. And we're going to sing one of my favorite worship songs. And in this song it says, When the lies speak louder than the truth. When the lies of the devil Try to be louder than what God has called you to, what God has said about you, that we need to be reminded that we belong to God, because ultimately, we are his sons, and we are his daughters. Let's pray to God. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for everything that you're doing here at Cornerstone. I thank you for every single student that's in this room. I thank you that you have given them the power and the ability to impact their schools in ways that they can only imagine. I pray that right now that you will break off any chains of fear, any chains of hurt, off of their lives. I pray for the young girl in this room that's been told that she's ugly, that she's fat, that no one likes her. I pray that you would take that lie and break it in half and that you would just pour into her your love. That she would know that she is beautiful. She was made in your image and she was bought with the price of your son dying on the cross for her sins. And God, I pray for that guy that's in this room, that's struggling with looking at bad images, that's struggling with negative self-talk, that's struggling with creating an image that's bigger than himself. I pray that you break him. I pray that you let him know that he cannot go far unless he's going alongside you. And I pray that as we enter this song, that you would just bless us, that you would let us know that we're your sons and your daughters. I pray all these things.